Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Say it loud, Podcast Network, where black and brown voices truly matter. And we are back for another week of A Whole Mood Podcast. I just came back from vacation, and Ativa's still on vacation to Atlanta. And when I tell you this bitch ghosted me a fucking game. So I got a whole nother guest. <laughs> and this guest is looking at me like I'm fucking crazy, but it's okay. She is really, honestly, to date, probably the longest sustaining friend that I have. And I feel like, you know, we have been through so much together through high school, through college. Um, and I mean, we're going to just go through it, but I would just like to, you know, introduce everybody, Tony Braxton to my baby face, <laughs> yes, Terrell <yes>. Edmund. <laughs> I love it. How you are know, you, I still Sherelle? be telling people that uh, baby face my cousin, so exactly, know, and people still be trying to, you know, shit on my dreams. But both our last names, Edmund, both us brown skin. He gonna find me one day. <laughs> Okay, and it's funny that you say people try to shit on your dreams. Is that surely what we're gonna talk about this week? What's been going on? I know you was talking about you and a um, you and sister act right now. Yes, and so I'm in Mobile, and I'm in the community theater whole scene down here, and so we're doing a production of Sister Act. And to make it easy for everybody, I just say I'm Whoopi Goldberg in the production, but I'm Dolores from Cartier or Sister Mary Clarence. If people are like really into the whole Sister Act anthology. But yes, that has been a ton of work because I'm literally in like every scene. That's under headway. We'll be live and in action in August. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, and I'm so proud of my friend. So we're going to get into it. So like, how did we become friends, Sherelle? (laughs) Well, we both um, got into Murphy's Advanced Choir. We both have like chill personalities. So I used to be like a whole bunch of political bullshit going on in there. And me and Alana, me and Alana would always be like, ugh, I ain't for it. You know, I just want to sing. Like, this is all we're here for. And so we bonded over literally being like chill people that just was not into the extra extraordinariness of like our, our music director at the time. And uh, I will say, it definitely laid the foundation for like who we are as artists these days. We definitely like we're just on a whole nother thing. But yeah, that was that was quite a time to That really know. is. And I think when I think back on it, there is a bit of thankfulness and gratefulness I have as far as molding mm-hmm. me in my craft. But you know, I feel like we were working really, really hard. Really, really hard. Just as kids like wanting to do it and we were hungry for it and we knew that we were super, super talented and whatnot. I just felt like that experience kind of burned me out a little bit. And a lot of people that um they always ask like Alon, you should be singing, you should be performing. Um, I feel like you're gonna find out a good reason why this episode and me and Sherelle we're gonna mm-hmm. talk about our experience um throughout 
our entire friendship. But right. one thing's for sure, like me and Sherelle's friendship, it, it is none like no other. Me and Sherelle, we had a very turbulent friendship. I feel like yes. it'll be like certain things like growing up together and getting to know one another. Like this week, we wouldn't be talking. Next week, we'd be like talking on the phone like eight hours a day all overnight. Like, And I feel like we've grown to now be comfortable in each other's grownness and who we have become. Um, but I was, I don't know, as a kid, I was just like, I don't know why Sherelle mad at me. And it used to be the stupidest stuff. Like, literally, we would be texting. And Alain used to love to send me the dot, dot, dot. Oh <laughs> Sherelle, in the T9 text days, you know, I'd be trying to separate my sentences because we have no enter. We ain't have no return. We ain't have no QWERTY keyboard unless you had a sidekick or, you know, one of them fancy Verizon phones that slide up to the side. We didn't have none of that. I was pressing and pressing for my life. So I needed them dots to separate my points. And Sherelle used to literally get mad I felt at me. Like it was a brush off. I felt like it was just, oh, I used to be like this. I'm like, how dare you cut me off in the middle of this conversation with these dots and not giving me the platform to get out what I need to get out. And then Alon would be like, I don't understand. Like, what is going on? I'll put some dots. I'm going to express myself how I want to. And I would be like, oh. Exactly. So <laughs> and it sounds absurd now because we're grown people fully realize in our own purpose and being. But like, in high school, baby, that definitely was like two weeks of foolishness that we was going at And it oh my God, we die. would literally be late at night going at it. Like having full mm -hmm. arguments. I, don't, I was like, I don't know what is happening right now, but need these damn dots. You're not about to tell me what the fuck I'm going to do. Exactly. It's, it's the fact that we are both like headstrong and we just was, we was in it. We was passionate about we like really whatever were. our stance was. Sherelle thought I now. was a trash ass friend. Like, <laughs> I would be out here performing and slaving my life away and Sherelle would be like, you know what? You don't come to my fucking shit. You be going to XYZ, performing XYZ and doing this, and you don't you don't do nothing for me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Look, you know what? What I can say is that as a person, I am very good at expressing my emotions. Yeah. But like for everybody, there is a, a balanced beam of it. And it's normally easier to tap in expressing your emotions when something upsets you versus being like expressing your emotions on the vulnerable side so it's easier mm -hmm. to be like eh, 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 like this is what i like versus being vulnerable and be like oh this actually hurt my feelings and this is how i can plot out and express hey this is hurting my feelings but you know like i say it's easy to come with the raw raw i'm a leo so like i go like head first into passion and that passion is normally expressed yeah. very differently but i have i have calmed down a lot i used to be like I, I mean, are getting a much more subdued Sherelle these days. Oh, you know? wow. Well, you know what I say as a fire sign, moon sign, I don't blow that shit out too far because you people still got to know, okay? Right. That's, that's very true. No, that is very true because I feel yeah. like there is some subduing that I've been doing. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, me and you talked about it. I've experienced mm -hmm. it. And, and I told you, I was like, you know, I feel like people forgot who the fuck I was. I know that I can Nah, do that. I'm an advocate for like, keep your fire, but knowing when to bring it out. And, and that's the thing. I think I'm at a place now where it's 
we give so many people energy that don't even deserve our energy. Like I'm very much in a space of like, it is a privilege to know me. It is a privilege to experience me. It is a privilege for me to allow you in my life. So like this overly like expressing something that I feel, I just don't have time for that. So I block people. My mama think that's like horrible, but um, is a god, yo. <laughs> Everything she, she says like, is the Bible you, like, to me. Change your mind. What if you change your mind? I'm like, well, I guess you gonna have to email me. You gonna have to send it via mail carrier. <laughs> I block niggas' emails. Yeah, I'm, I mean, people are very cognizant of the decisions that they decide to make, and I think it's human nature to want to figure out the why. It's human nature to try to figure out why people do things, or even like how this whole thing called life works. And sometimes you just got to take all that away. And just accept stuff for what it is. And at the end of the day, what it is, it just isn't a pretty narrative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, let's bring it back to us as friends, because I think, you know, me being the host, I think people kind of get a feel for who I am, but they have no clue on who I was then. And I feel the perfect person to talk to about that is like the person that's here right now. Even though there are certain things like, I I, I mean, me, me and Sherelle, we didn't really talk in terms of like everything that y'all know about me right now because like what i said in high school like i was really a low-key hoe but um <laughs> no one knew no and he only told knew. you what he wanted you to know but you know what that's still very true to like you and your character like we'd be trying to be supportive go oh, okay you like this person okay that's cool that's what's up but it would just come like so sporadically and like random like it would, it would never be anything consistent no. I'm like, oh, well, I mean, if that make you happy, go, go for it. Uh, <laughs> but Alana's always had this, like, charmer personality. People have always been, like, drawn to his personality, drawn to him as a person, drawn to his talent. And so, like, he would always have people that, like, kind of were hanger-ons or, like, try to be around him. And I would just be like, what is that about? What do they want? I never understood that myself, though. Okay. I think the whole chorus came to New York. A guy that was in our chorus, he was like a high tenor. He had the most amazing voice. I was like, come with us. And he was like, you want me to come with you? And I'm like, who the fuck do you think I am? Like, <laughs> It ain't even that deep. Like, I don't know. It was like a little baby. Like, we were like a year ahead of him. But yeah. it was just one of them things that he just, like he said, when he said tenor, you got to think like Mariah Carey. Like he would be hitting these crazy, crazy high notes. And so he was just like a little baby of the bunch. But he was, he was very much like enamored with the older guys and the older people. Yeah. In the like, he like and really I never up. looked at myself like that. So when people did right. that, I was just like, what do you mean? I'm, I, I have a name. I have a voice just <laughs> like you do. You know, I'm right. no better than anybody, you know? Yeah. And I, like I said, I think that's always been like your nature. You've always been kind of in tune with yourself, kind of go to the beat of your own drum. Um, I went straight to Auburn from high school. Alon and, you know, some of our other friends, they did a detour and they kind of stopped at a JUCO not too far from us. And then um, they came to Auburn. And I think that time that that JUCO allowed you to really grow, that that started to me the transition of Alon. Like that's when Alon was like, oh, okay. I'm not on the same wavelength as these yeah. other people. You know, I got like bigger dreams. I got bigger things I want to do. And he just was really focused. Um, he came to Auburn. You know, we went in there again. The thing that's so crazy, I can look back at our life, and we literally are just driven people that we just do things. We went to Auburn and started a whole theater troupe. Just <laughs> we really <laughs> did. We springboarded a whole theater troupe, Mosaic mm -hmm. Theater. Yep, I remember theater that. Troupe, we were doing auditions traveling did plays like we just really was in a girl group in atlanta 
like I was. Sure, you was I like was. in and out of, you was always in <laughs> stuff and me and Sherelle would always keep each other updated uplifted everything mm-hmm. when it came to stuff because and I think that was the thing because we always nurtured each other's dreams and that was mm-hmm. like that's that was really the crux of our whole relationship. Like we spent a lot of time talking about each other's musical taste, which is very similar. Like what I told y'all, right. she is literally the Tony Braxton to my baby face. Like our talent is so in sync and in tune. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I've never met anybody like Sherelle ever, and I always tell her all the time when she always feels disappointed and when things don't really go her way or if she doesn't win right. something. I was always the one on the phone with her telling her, like, they are sleeping on you because I will be the first one, the fan, number one, like, holding up a sign, like, telling you, like, nah, you better than me. <laughs> I say that all the time. You better than we me. Did, we did an Auburn X Factor. So Auburn did their own version of the, the TV show yeah. X Factor. Like, we made it. And I remember when I got voted off alone, I was like, I don't even know how that happened. Like, I don't even know how I'm here. And meanwhile, <laughs> I was the finale, but I was like, I literally, I don't know. This was just something to do. Like, I and he was so neutral. This, this energy I feel is exactly how he felt. He was like, well, you know, I'm going to find me something to say. Like, whatever. <laughs> nah, shit like that. That pisses Sherelle off. Like, I do. I downplay stuff all the time. But no, but even Trumbauer, you and the partner that you sung with, like, I don't think you realize how impactful you are to people. Like, I still sing that song to this day. Oh, really? Because of y'all. <laughs> because of y'all. And it's so beautiful. Like, they sung Color Purple, the duet with Suge Avery and Seeley, and they should have won the award. But I, I just get so mad sometimes. Because I did. I, I won an award, but it's like, I still felt like Sherelle deserved just as much as I did. Because I really do feel like Sherelle is more talented than me, y'all. Like, y'all hear her voice? I'm telling y'all, I'm not playing. And life is crazy like that. But we were working, and that's the stuff that, like, I'm a high school teacher now. And so when I look at my students, the biggest thing that I try to instill in them is where we are in life now is good. But had we had people that let us know, like, no, y'all got it. Like, you can go to Juilliard. You can go to Berkeley. Like, I felt like that glass ceiling would have been, like, even more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I felt like we had limits on us because people around us just was not doing that. Like, we have a friend from high school that, you know, she's toured on Broadway and, and, you know, done great shows and stuff. Done Hamilton. Even on her own, yeah, even her own journey. She was a music teacher. She was, like, in Memphis. And she just had to be like, I don't want to do this no more. And that's the stuff that, like, all of us were really that talented. Like, we went to chorus. We just literally loved singing. So, like, whatever our chorus director told us to do, we went home, flipped it, made it our own, and, like, brought it back. Like, we did a play called G's Bend. And I kid you not, he gave me and the other lead girl, we both were singers, he gave us a CD of, like, six grown home, old school black ladies in a church. Like, like a mothers of a church. Yeah. Yeah, singing with nothing, just hand thumping, foot clapping, whatever. And I said, "Oh my goodness, Alon, what am I supposed to do with this?" Because like when we heard it, it was it was very raw and nothing. How we got over? And she turned that shit into how we got over. How we got over? Oh my love! I'm like, what? <laughs> and the crazy thing, because I won an award for that one. And I think I won an award because yeah, this, this white lady at the time was like, 
know you're gonna get something because your voice is just so beautiful. No, like they like have to give you something. Like when it's you like that. Oh Lord, I'm on my way. That song. <laughs> And yeah, it sounded like nothing like that. No, exactly. Like that. She remixed the fuck out of shit, and then that. And I, but you know what? Even with when we did Smokey Joe's Cafe, we all collectively we yes, we, just we said like we, we are not working. gonna do what they did. We gonna do something mm-hmm. different. We all said we went that, home and we worked it. And that's back my mom. <laughs> so a lot of love my mom, but my mom is like she's like Joe Jackson. She's like I won't, I won't give her that, but like. She grew up in a family of like musical people. So her her older brother and younger brother they played saxophone and like she used to sing around with them and no parts and stuff. So like I'd be practicing at the house and she would come in and she would like critique me. Yeah, I used to be so upset with her because I'd be like, "Mama, I'm practicing. It's not gonna be like this." Like people who know me, I practice stuff and then I get on stage and it'd be like, "Boom, it's, it's different." But she'll be in the practice stage, being like, Mm-mm, "If you ever just let go." Girl, you you gonna be a problem for some people. Like she like Mary J. Blige can just get up there and sing. This back when Mary was coming with like, you know, breakthrough type feels can't be without you. She like she can get up there and just you know sing her heart out. You you gonna be killing it if you just let go. And we took Smokey Joe's with that and just was like like she the one that had me barking on stage because I was like, well, I'm, I think I'm gonna do that. She like go for it. Why not? And I remember the first time I did it in rehearsal, everybody was blown. They was like, oh, my God. No, she didn't just bark (laughs) at this man on stage. Like, we really did take this show and made it our own. Like, that's the part that, like, we grew in chorus. But I can't say that, like, I left chorus being like, I learned this from chorus. We just got opportunities and we learned how to make the most of our opportunities and make them our own. Like, we really did a good job. But, like, everything he gave us, we really flipped and made our own. Yeah, everything. Yeah, and and I think it's a certain keyword or or trigger word that he would always use that it was helpful, but in a way it was a hindrance. And I think that diva word really hurt and helped at the same time because I understood it because it's kind of like theater is one of those things like you can't take yourself seriously and you just kind of have to just do it. And a lot of times we do get stuck in ourselves and our ego, and they, you know we really hinder ourselves from just going for it. But mm-hmm. the diva word is also like a label and nobody wants to be labeled anything that has for a sure. negative connotation. So now he for sure thought that like I was a diva. He, he, <laughs> and I can even applaud little 16, 17 year old Sherelle was like not having it. Like anything I came at a teacher or anybody with, it was personally because I felt that. And so like, I felt like a situation of course wasn't, rocking the way I thought it should. I just, okay, I'll eliminate myself. I ain't got to do that. And you can find somebody else to, you know. We were doing a whole play. And we had been working, dancing our butt off. He pulled us in the side room, pulled all of a certain group of girls in the side room and told us that, like, one of us was a cancer. We didn't need our talents no more. We had already took promotional pictures for this show. Because it had been put up over the school. Remember, we had already done all of this stuff. It was literally like and then five he ended up putting a show. whole bunch of white girls in there. <laughs> but it was it was a God thing because I had been stressed. Like the, the costumes that they wanted us to wear, we ain't gonna. We was thick. We we was very like on and popping, and we was in high schools. 
and the stuff that he was gonna put us in, we was gonna be really giving you some Rihanna umbrella and that we couldn't Nothing figure like out. Like a high school anything. parent would want to come and see their child in. Right. Because yeah. I was trying to figure out, I'm like, Aaliyah's hard. How, how are we gonna make this work? Like, you know, it just, it was, it was interesting. But I learned a lot. We learned a lot from there. Alon, Alon be real chill. Alon was low key. <laughs> A local celebrity. <laughs> this I'm teacher had y'all. him and the other men, like he had him and the other guys, like everywhere. Yeah, we were literally school fundraisers, like human school fundraisers. Mm-hmm. And I say that now because mm-hmm. then I wouldn't have never known. We really thought that we were going to be signed one day. That's mm-hmm. the narrative sure. that was put in our heads. Like okay. we were literally practicing every weekend. We would practiced at least one time during the week and we would gig like a regular artist we would go to churches we would go to events we would go to venues and we would literally be out here singing for our life like in the cold in the sweltering heat in the rain it didn't matter and mind you we also traveled a lot like we went to Birmingham for certain choirs we went to Montgomery for this theater convention thing like we did a lot in high school and we did it because we really—that's what we wanted to do. That was right. our life, how we saw it. And I think it was just that moment, like post high school, and then also post graduation and college, where it's like you do all of this work, and then it's no result afterwards. I think just my thoughts on it—it it was kind of like I, I felt in some way used, and I felt like my talent was, you know, used for somebody else's gain, and it created a bitter seed in me I'm not gonna lie even though my love for music will never change my passion for music will never change but I think it really kind of blew out a fire in me as far as like how I showcase my talent and it made me more shy because I felt like once you have stars in your eyes then people can easily fool you that is now a hindrance for me as it pertains to me showcasing my talent now that I really have to overcome more than anything um but it just showed me a different light as it came to me approaching my dreams. And I think as I got older as well, I think um, in regards to my dreams, the older I got, the more I realized as an artist, you go through a lot and you deal with a lot of bullshit and you never know the price of fame and what your price could be for fame. Um, And I just knew at a certain point in my life, I was just like, well, maybe I don't, I can't afford that. Because there's certain things that I don't want to give up for me, you know. And I think for us, we, we're creative beings. So we like the whole aspect of listening to music, writing music, creating melodies, and just being in it. Because I remember in college, like, I was just in the studio singing. and Because I, I just genuinely liked music. And then it would always come up, you know, in conversation like that. I'd tell my mom or whatever. She's like, so what do you want to do now? Like, what are you going to do with the song? Like, what, what's yeah. the point? And that's when you start thinking, like, what am I doing this for? Well, me and Sherelle are good collaborators when it comes to writing. Like, that okay. that theater group we was in, we literally wrote the whole musical mm-hmm. score for that whole theater group. Me and <laughs> right. And what right. we did that shit in, like, 15 minutes, she would only give us, like, mm-hmm. 20 minutes to write. We had time to have activities. And, okay, this activity we're doing for today, boom, here, yeah, go, make it work. And it just would be like, like you said, we kind of click. We understand each other. Sherelle's good with the words. I'm good with the melodies. And Mm -hmm. we kind of made that shit work. And I think the thing that you guys are hearing with us now is like, 
in our dreams as you get older is interesting to see how those dreams shift and how your life shifts to your dreams in a way. And so we both still love music. We both still love performing. We both still love the arts. But it's making it make sense these days. And sometimes, you know, the making it make sense takes out the, I guess, the, the fun part of, of dreaming. Because now you're being realistic. And like I told you, we can create all day. But it's like, what are we creating this for? We're going to make an EP from the EP then? What? Do we want to go do a local, you know, bar tour where we're doing little clubs? Are we trying to get a distribution deal? Are we trying to get a real deal? And that's the part that where you say, like, no, I don't want people trying to stop me in Walmart. I don't want people trying to stop me walking down the street. Like, you know, we really like the creative aspect. Well, I looked at background singers. I was like, they lit. Yeah. They live nice. to get the tour. They get to, to make good money. They get the rub. People who record demos. Lit. They get their check and they leave. And that's the stuff that you don't hear about until you feel like your time has passed. Like, hey, we've been hearing about this stuff. Being those 17, 18-year-olds going off to college, this would be a completely different conversation. But that's why I was saying, like, you know, for us, that wasn't something that people were really talking about like that. You know, you know, you graduate, you need to go to school. You yeah. know, you need to Yeah, we did literally stable, everything you know? we were expected to do. And all while knowing what our plan A was and what our plan B was. And right. life just right. took precedence to, you know, whatever detours and whatever things that got in our mm -hmm. way. I think it kind of goes with the episode name. I'm still hopeful that, you know, life just pans mm -hmm. out how it needs to. And you just need the tools to get to where you really want to go. I mean, the universe is still listening. You say that music is still a dream with you? I think how I looked at it when I, uh, how I approached it when I was a teenager is far different from how I approach it now. I think music is still mm -hmm. definitely a dream of mine but not as an artist for damn sure no okay so behind the scenes like you can yes absolutely if i'm somebody's marketing or brand consultant or you know if i'm out here and i'm ghostwriting for people on the side mm -hmm. like that's great if i'm out here and i'm laying down somebody's background vocals because they like the sound of my voice that's all great um, and I think people sleep on stuff like that. Like Tweet has her own album. Right. Literally, she went in on Solange's album and was like, oh, you want me to lay these background vocals? Oh, okay, I'm with it. I'm down. Like, that's the kind of vibe that me and Alon be on. Like, just people that like, no, you love artistry, you love music, you love people, and it's not about ego or anything. Like, we just really love music, like, for real, for real. Like, mm -hmm. it's an understatement when he says, like, we get each other, because literally, we love music that, like, we have no business even knowing about music. Right. And know the ins and outs of it. So. so speaking of, like, with us sharing our dreams from back then and then the reality of it now, how do they surface now turning 30? And I know you're going to be 30, like, in Ooh. a couple of days. Ooh. Um, so I definitely had the turning 30 blues. I won't lie. Um, I think for a lot of people... 30 is a milestone and you just kind of do a lot of reflecting on mm -hmm. life and what is life and what is this thing we call life. And I go back to the girl who was 17. Like when I was graduating, you couldn't have told me like, ooh, either I was going to be on Broadway and famous or I'm going to go to college, have my kids, be Greek and, you know, boom, live life. And honestly, I I'm hard on myself. And I, I think that's, you know, that's another thing me and Alon really, we get we are really hard on ourselves, um, even though we really do a lot. 
the only thing I ain't accomplished out of everything I ever wanted was really the, the husband and family. Everything else I've obtained. Um, and so getting closer to 30, it made me feel like, okay, how am I going to get that? And if I'm not going to get that, how am I going to make myself okay with the current state of life as it is, you know? And so the closer and closer I get to it, it's more, you know, I think sometimes the universe and God feels the energy that we're on. I just keep seeing things that make me be like, you know what, fuck it, it is what it is. You know, I may have wanted things to look like this, but what this is right now, it ain't that bad to work with. I'm, I'm really like doing, I, I got 90. I'm only missing 10%. So if I can get that 10%, then, you know, I'm through the moon. A lot of people don't even have 50. A lot of people don't even have 60. So I got to be content with that. Like I was on Facebook one day and this lady was like, a lot of y'all take life too seriously. Ain't none of us going to make it out of this shit anyway. And when she said it, it sounds right. It sounds awful. But it's like, we know the conclusion. We're going to die. We, we, there's no, you know, nobody wins per se. Like that is what it is. And so I think with that, like, that's kind of my energy as I go into, like, this next decade. It's kind of like, girl, just live life. You know, life is short. We only got one. We all trying to figure it out. Nobody has the answer. So just try and enjoy it. I think if I could just get to the point where I could just, like, enjoy it without all the extra, without all the surface level stuff, just, like, enjoy it. That'll be, like, my sweet spot. Um, but for sure, turning 30 had me in a very deep space of contemplation on like on life and I was laid away for like months like I would just be like I'm, I'm not with it I'm not feeling it like what can I do to change it um you know do I need to change careers do I need to move away do I want to do this do I want to do that I still am gonna move away it's just you know I'm, I'm logical in how I make my moves every day is better it's better but it, it was rough like, I accept the things that I can control and the things I can't for sure and that's the key part um mm -hmm. but that's i think that's the part where we become inverse because i've been so ambitious from the very beginning uh -huh. however you've uh -huh. been ambitious but that wasn't always at the forefront of your dreams mm -hmm. like you really mm -hmm. wanted to be a mom out here a wife out yes. here and yes. me i was kind of like well, yeah, that's nice. And I know I'm going to be somebody's dad <laughs> at some point. But really, let's get this career in check. That was really that's what very I was much That is yeah. very much aligned. That's why I'm so, it's, 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 it's interesting to see how life has changed and you being like open in that way with yourself now. So Alon, like I said, he's always had a, I just got me. And so nothing else, he's been yeah. very much like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. For me, I'm going to count on me. I'm going to rely on me. I'm going to do whatever I got to do for me. So it is good to see the growth. I just had yeah. this conversation when um, I felt so much when Tabitha was saying that response from Wendy Williams. It got to a point where she was saying, like, her husband said that, you know, I'm going to bet on you. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that's a blessing. Because I right. really always, in my entire life, I've always felt like I only have me to bet on. I'm the only dog mm -hmm. running in this race. Right. And if I don't make it, then I don't have no cushion to fall on. I don't have no right. safety net. I mean, I've always recognized there are always friends around me who have supportive parents, who have uh -huh. parents that are there regardless of whatever they're going through. They're involved in every way possible. And I never really like discourage myself by comparing myself to that situation because that ain't what I don't have it. So right. 
but I just knew, and that was always just my focus and everything that I was doing is like a line. You have to get there because if you don't, you will crumble. And I just cannot, crumble. that's not an option. And I think in you doing that, you took away your right to be vulnerable. You took yeah. away your right to be open to um, certain possibilities, such as like being open personally with, with other people. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you got your crowd of people that you, Alon knows a lot of people. A lot of people know of Alon, but like of these people that like think they have, you know, an attachment to him or have some type of, it's, it's very slim. And so I think as you've gotten older, I mean, it's still true. He's still, your circle's still going to be this big. Yeah. It's still going to be yeah. whatever. But I like the idea that you're more in tune with allowing yourself to be like, hmm, you know what? Maybe I do need companionship. Maybe I do need a hug because for the longest you denied yourself that right. You denied yourself. You denied yourself the right to just be fully happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, But part of me felt, felt like, like I didn't deserve it. Because I had no example. Like, I felt like the only example that was true to me was my oldest sister. But I always looked at my oldest sister as perfect Patty. Like, you always had that sibling that just does everything right and everything by the book. So I didn't, you know, I didn't see myself like that. I wasn't going to live in a, a house and have kids and have this large savings and marry at 20. Like, that was already done. That was already a dub. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it was also, it was a lot of things that I did apart from them even considering it a possibility. Me going off to right. college was already kind of like, what? Because they stayed their ass in Mobile. So, right. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, it was, I knew I moved different, but I think being in that first relationship definitely opened a window of opportunity to consider it. And I think because of that situation, I am more open-minded and I am more free and vulnerable in that way and it's not so much of a hard exterior when it comes to that avenue so yeah i think a light has opened but i don't <laughs> see this is why i say we are inverse because i still to this day it's not like something like i'm like heavy focused on and you know the crazy thing about life the main thing that we focus on is the main thing we keep running after and that's so weird and and that's the thing that I think I was taking, you know, that, that I've been reflecting on. Yeah. I was like, I would hate to, like, look back on life and be like, you was unhappy all because of that 10%. You know what I mean? You was unhappy because yes. of that, that, that one thing. And that, that is very spiteful to God. And I, I never want to mm-hmm. do that. You know, I want to always acknowledge my blessings and everything that I've been given. But I saw myself like, it's just you, you focus in on that, that thing that like you don't have. But the older I get, I'm like, you know, I'm grown. I can't make nobody want me. In my younger years, I felt like, man, my dad passed away when I was younger. I don't know men. So clearly I'm out here floundering just because I, I don't know how men move. I didn't, I didn't have this experience to learn them. So maybe this is why I'm messing up. Well, you definitely, once you got to college, you thought that you were going to meet your sweetheart in college then, man. Yes. So what yes, was that experience sure. like? I mean, it worked for white women. Well, let's be clear. It's, this is a narrative for certain women. <laughs> for me, I always felt like in college, I felt like in high school, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I was like in between. I didn't feel like I was super hot, super nothing. I just was in between, chill, cool. I got to college and it was like, shit, I was cast me out. And I, I didn't really know where it came from or why it came. You know, I still was me. From Mobile, but it just was a little different. Um, 
I think, and I talked to my line sister about this and stuff, it's a lot of different nuances when it goes into dating and learning desirability and learning different aspects of that. So you can be desirable to somebody sexually, but not be desirable in a relationship context. And I think college was a big whirlpool of learning that, you know, would you, would I have liked to bypass that lesson? Would I have liked to learn differently? For sure. We came, we, we were in school in college during, that was like the, the height of side chicks. That was the height of like, you know, that's when all of this culture and stuff was like. Yeah, it really was because the dating apps started to come. They started to peek in. Yeah, it wasn't really like, that was the starting phase of all these dating apps and stuff. It, just, it was very easy. Like, I was just, like I said, in, in high school, I was just very chill. So I felt like when I went into college, I had a certain amount of naivety, like, you know, maneuvering dating spaces. Because again, I felt like, oh, I don't really know dudes. So, you know, I'd be taking shit at face value, not knowing that like a man would lie about anything. You know, he might lie just because, you know, it's Tuesday. And it don't, it don't mean nothing. It's just a lie nothing for nobody to tell it. You know, I know everybody heard that saying before. So being a person that if you're genuine and you're genuinely out here trying to build connections and people aren't always on that. Like I remember, like, graduating college, I wasn't even studying it. I had got myself to the point to where, like, that's the one time my mom was like, oh, I can't hear this. Like, this is stupid. Like, I thought I said, I don't want no graduation invites. Like, I already know who's going to come. I already know who's going to support me. Uh, it is what it is. You know, I, I got my my little circle. Uh, I was like, it's whatever. And she was like, you really, you really going to do that to yourself. You really going to take that moment for yourself. I graduated from Auburn with two degrees. I had done, like a long time we started a theater troupe. I had gotten a musical. That was the last thing I wanted to do before I left there. I pledged when I was there. I worked a number of jobs <laughs> while I was there. Did plays, did all this stuff. But I did not leave with that like MRS degree or that title. And so for me, I had felt like unsuccessful. I had felt like a failure. And so like graduation was coming. I was like, I mean, whatever. Because I look at things like that's what you're supposed to do. Like I didn't go to college to not leave with a degree. So like, why is it a big deal that I'm getting a degree? Like that, that's what I was supposed to do. Um, the other stuff was personal goals that I had for myself. And we do have a certain amount of culpability within our own selves to make things that we want happen. So I ain't, I, I'm a bet on, like, you bet on yourself. I can bet on me and be like, okay, I want to be in a musical. Bet I'm going to go take dance classes. Bet I'm, I'm going to go get a vocal teacher. I'm going to make sure before I leave here, boom. Because me and Alain did that musical together. We did all that foster together. We emceed. Yeah. <laughs> she liked she how both of us uh, played off each other. She said, you know what? I think I'm going to just make both of y'all the MC. Um, <laughs> yeah, really it's so crazy. Our musical journey. Yeah. <laughs> We've done a lot of stuff together. And so when I was leaving college, I really was kind of like, Ugh. I will say on graduation, and this, this is kind of how I am turning 30, it's like I always get like an aha moment. And it was like, my line sisters, it was a shit ton of us, but <laughs> my line sisters, they showed up for my graduation. And I had never had that amount of like, support for me in that kind of way and that was like the first time I ever understood what people say when they like I'm just full like I was really full because Girl, my team was just my mama my two sisters and we was we was rocking and rolling like we knew it was just us you know together we four but we were like okay we got each other we're gonna make it work so I had no expectation I was like okay well it'll just be them my auntie from 
Charles put that she was gonna come up. I was like, shit, that's good. That was already like two extra people that I had never accounted for. But then when I had looked out there and like, because the line was taking pictures, when yeah. I say it was like a line, line, line of them there, I was like really full. So that kind of helped offset. Like, did you cry? Um, I had not cried like in the car or talking to my mom about it. Mm. I was like, I was really full. Like, I did not expect. Yeah, like, you had the same feeling me. I felt. I was at a friend's trailer. I mm-hmm. bawled. I bawled mm-hmm. because I felt that mm-hmm. same feeling. That felt like my fucking wedding day. I still tell people to this right. day that was the proudest right. point of my life. Graduate. Yeah, and 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 we had graduated from high school. Like that's what I'm saying. Like we've experienced different things, but it was always like we just knew who our people was, and it was always really chill or whatever. But. Like on graduation, I'm like, oh my goodness, I ain't, I ain't never had no people show up for me, mm-hmm. you know, like this. Yeah. And so you leave that and you go into life. I don't know. Now these these adult years trying to date. <laughs> mm-hmm. What has that been like? Because I know I, 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 I don't know. I don't know because I never paid attention uh, okay. to it. So I'm I'm very private, and I yeah. always tell people like, y'all to figure out who I'm with by the time I'm getting married or like engaged, like whatever. That don't mean that, you know, people don't be in my inbox, but again, that don't mean nothing. That, that you know what I'm saying? Like when I talk to my mom about yeah. stuff, for her it's different. Cause she's always like, the attention that you get, you gotta think that it's somebody that like don't get that attention at all. It's like you brushing off like, you know, this type of stuff. Think of the person that like they inbox don't be popular. They don't have people that like, you know, do whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. From being an adult, you get in the rigmarole of life. You get up and you go to work. Okay, I'm not in college no more, so I'm not going to parties. I ain't being out no more. Like now I'm going to work. I may work out. I may be tired. I may do a play. I may do this. But it's very routine. And so meeting people um, was a little So I had my first, like, I could say the first relationship. Like, I ignored a whole bunch of other stuff. I could say the whole bunch of stuff like situationships. Like, to me, a situationship is somewhere it's like, you know, you're moving in a way that's relationship oriented, but you don't, you don't ever get the title. I did date somebody and it was military and he went to Auburn, but we had kind of like reconnected. And I had grew a lot of myself in that. But again, marriage was always my thing. Like I can look back on it now and be like, you know, I probably wanted too much, you know, at our age, like who I am now versus who I am then. Like now I'm a grown woman. It was long distance. So I learned a lot about myself with that. I, I keep finding myself in long distance situations. That situation, I don't have any salt. I, I would never throw salt on anybody. If something don't work out, you know, we just work for each other. Definitely, I think the way people move sometimes could be better. And I would like that they move differently in connection to me. But ultimately, you know, stuff don't work out with people. He he had a lot of um, traits that were very similar to my dad. And those traits being? Um, he had addiction issues. If a big part of my calling is to be a mother, that stuff is heredity. And so you getting it from two ends, I would hate to, you know, have children knowing, okay, boom, I, I gave you this lot in life because I already knew it was up beforehand. You know, and I get it. Some people fall into addictive traits when they're 40, when they're 50, whatever. But it's the whole idea of just knowing and knowing that I really wanted kids. You know, it was long distance, it was military. I already know how that rolled in. I already know what that road looked like. And I didn't want that for myself. Like, I definitely want motherhood in partnership. You know, I don't, I don't want to be a single mom. You know, I love my mom. She is the bomb.com. Really you know, is. She's my angel on earth. But my mama works and works very, 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 very 
very hard. And now I'm going to be like, damn, she said very a lot. But it would be times in high school that she was pulling like 70, 80 hour work weeks at the lab. And so me on my own, look, she's a lab technician. I am just a teacher. My mind don't work like that. So <laughs> I the baby single parenthood on a teacher's salary. I think not. I think not. Yeah. So, and I, I've said that as well, even though mm-hmm. back in the day when I, I mean, me and Sherelle, we do have that commonality where we both think we are going to be great parents. Um, mm-hmm. Like me and Sherelle used to fight over baby names and that's crazy. We but, did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy when God gives you somebody so in sync, y'all both randomly pick the same baby name. We literally have <laughs> the same son name. Yeah, had a baby first. Like, what the hell? I just never knew what that looked like because I didn't have that mentality like Sherelle had Mm -hmm. where I saw family in that way. Because to me, it was kind of like, if if they're not in my face right now, then it's not a reality. That's how I looked at it. And I can see that. And my struggle has been, no, boom. God spoke to me when I was like in high school. And I knew, boom, you're going to be a performer and you're going to be a mama. Like, it was clear as day because in college I was doing stuff and I remember I had done this thing where I had some Whitney Houston I will always love you and I was like the bomb like all the judges like maxed me out and I did not get placed because I did not do the political stuff and go like him hold up a whole bunch of damn extra money like whatever and I had felt so bad like I was really like disheartened by that and I was like God I can get it like literally everybody who went to the you know the show was like look you should have got a placing because like you really sung well and God had to talk to me and be like you gotta let people have that you know for some people that's gonna be their big moment I got bigger stuff for you like you, you got you got other things that's coming that's gonna be beyond this like you, you setting your sights on on this little stuff and I got bigger stuff for you so I was like okay boom that placated me through some stuff the love stuff is you know it's, it's hard you know you try to be like you know you don't want to be one of them women that have like daddy issues and you know think you're searching for love in all the wrong places. You know, finding the man component is tough. That's why you can hear me say now, like, I-, I can't control nobody else. I can't make nobody want me in that way. So I just kind of try to focus on me. But dating, mm, it, it could be better. It I was about be to say, so what are the next steps for you in pursuing whatever that is? Ooh-wee. Okay, so I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be open. I could be self-reflective and take accountability. So looking back on past situations and things that may have didn't pan out the way I wanted them to pan out, I could say, I think for guys, it could have been too intense. It could have, my intentionality could have been maybe reading off as desperate. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like when people really want something, sometimes they can read a certain kind of way. Like when I'm in, I'm all in. So, you know, I don't care about X, Y, Z. Like, come on, let's do it. Let's play ball. And for men, stuff like that will be too intense and that will make them back off. So it's like the more they back off, the more I'm like, okay, what was going on? And finally, when I get a grip on reality and I'm like, okay, this ain't what he want. Boom, now you block and I, I, I've moved on. But the issue with guys is guys will do that and they'll be like, well, damn, I didn't want to lose her completely. I just kind of wanted to, like, you know, figure out, yeah, what I, I wanted to feel. And it's like, no, because I want to be a mom. Like, men don't have biological clocks. Women do. So for a man, it's like, oh, I mean, what you rushing things for? What you, it's like, look, either we're going to do this or we're going to do this. And if it's not what you want to do, I can move on. 
And I think that's a lot to take in. Another thing is like you see it. Like we have peers and even people that are like maybe like mm-hmm. two or three years younger than us. They have the family. They have the husband. They have the home. It's men that's out there that intentionally know what they want. Correct. Yes. And not reflect on yourself and look at yourself and say, if this is what I want, like, why is it not like a thing? Right. And and that's why I do take the point. Like, okay, God, like, what is it? Like, tell me what it is that I'm missing. What is it in the lesson that I'm not getting? Because I'm, I'm, I do feel like they've all taught me things and I've grown as a better person. Uh, when I reflected on that relationship, I said, you know, who I am now versus who I am. There are two different people. The woman that I am now, I already know how to manage a household. I already know how to do X, Y, and Z. Like, I, I have different attributes that I have going for myself that would make things a little different versus it would have really been a thing like we was figuring life out together. Like, we literally would have been growing up. And this is me talking to somebody that was like 25, 26. Like, we would have been growing into like, okay, well, we ain't never had no houses. Guess we're going to figure it out now. We ain't never, okay, I guess we're going to do it now versus now. I'm almost 30. I got my own house. I got my own car. I pay all of the bills in here. So that is kind of the issue because with the more you gain, the more you are looking for somebody to compliment that. Like, if on my own, I'm doing all of that. I can't accept somebody that you're not able to at least meet me with what I'm bringing. Yeah. And so that kind of makes the dating pool different. I really think Sherelle will have a happier and better quality dating life and a life for her in D.C. And she'll be closer to me. That's another part of my dream. Like, I I really, truly want my friends to be happy and to get everything. And I I be going hard, y'all. I be going so hard because I really want my friends to have happiness. And I think being an adult, that's one of the things that you learn is that, like, no, happiness is not just this thing that people have. Like you have to wake up and choose happiness. You have to choose. You have to yeah. actively like seek that this is going to be something that is in my life. And I think for a lot of people, and you know, me included, it's easy to fall out of that. It's easy to like life can get you down because that, that's just what life is. And so every day you're not going to consciously make the same decision to actively say, you know what, I'm going to just be happy. I think society is building a group of people that innately people are starting to become more selfish. And so people think, you know, I was doing this, I was doing that. And there's a lack of regard for, for people's feeling, which we are supposed to be selfish to an extent, but only when it makes sense. And then only if it doesn't harm another person. Right. Me knowing that, okay, I done tried to build with you or, you know, blah, blah, and I just don't reply to your message. No, now that's like, we're in an age where everybody knows everybody got their phone. And it's hard to make that stuff make sense. You know, even if I'm at work, I can shoot you a text and be like, yo, I've been at work. Boom. You know, I went to the grocery store. That's simple. Because who's going to be mad at you for that? But it's the idea of the lack of concern, Mm-mm. and then you want to smash Mm-mm. the bare minimum. You gotta act like you give a damn about me as a person. Like that—that's the the minimum. The minimum you gotta at least be able to have the facade to care. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's a society of people that are lacking that human nature of like, okay, I'm gonna care about another human being's feelings in connection to me, and that's that's a little wonky when it comes to dating because it's like. How can you build anything? Because it makes everybody have their guard up. You know what I'm saying? It makes everybody be like, well, I need to have a roster. I need to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm, staunch. Because you, you already said, like, I'm an Aquarius moon. And I'm like, oh, it makes sense. I'm like, make what kind of sense? 
I'm not running with some Aquarius men, and I'm like, don't you ever, oof. That's like my worst experience. I would, yeah, ugh, no, God. you don't. You don't need an Aquarius. No way. Mm, 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 you need a good mm, Taurus or another Leo. We're gonna move on to reflection question, girl. Yeah. Okay. So first question: Do you believe that everyone has a soulmate? I read this book, and essentially, the book says that like God gives us a plethora of choices, and in those choices, we decide who we want to spend our life with. So. If the the ideology is that there's a soulmate person out there for each other, what happens if you think you meet your soulmate and they marry? Now, do you not have a soulmate? Did, did God promise you a soulmate that'll be married? Uh, no, because that's not godly. God would never give you somebody else's husband or mate <laughs> as a soulmate. And so it really kind of dissected the idea that there's like this this one person that's like created mm. for you. I think there's possibly mm. like you know people that you bond with and you make the best decision for you. I do think that's where movies kind of throw people and people have this romanticized idea of stuff. I think a lot in picking partnership now, who is somebody that is going to blend well into the goals that you have, into the future goals that you have, into the life plans that you have. I think it's very similar to what you said. To say a soulmate as a similar thing is false. I think there are plenty of people out here that you are compatible with, but it's very few in number. Um, And I Mm -hmm. think, case in point, people get married multiple times. Mm -hmm. And if, hell, Mm -hmm. in this day and age, you can find somebody to marry you and marry you multiple times. I think the factor in Mm -hmm. a soulmate or not is timing. It's all about time. I think my time is such because I'm amazing, baby. So everybody still want me. Don't get it twisted. But the timing. But no, it's their timing. Yeah, the timing of it all is. And and my guy cousins hate it when I say it, but I'm always like, women control sex, men control commitment. And so when you come down to those two things, sex ain't. But you know what I'm saying? Like somebody gonna give into that. That's human nature. You think you really like somebody, you feeling them, boom, it just take one. But a man, that, that trump card of commitment, you, you can't do nothing if the other party like, no, we're not going to be nothing. And I think that's that's hard in maneuvering some of this stuff, too. Is there such thing as love at first sight? I don't know. I don't know. I think whenever you first meet somebody, the only thing you know about them is whether or not you're attracted to them. Because you don't know anything about them. You don't, you, don't, you don't know their personality. You just think that they're physically, like, uh, appealing to your eye. And once somebody comes physically appealing to your eye, then it's like subconsciously your mind starts making all this other stuff like, oh, he's funny too. Oh my gosh, like he has this job and that job. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I think wait, there's lust. I think there's lust at first sight. Mm. Um, and I and I, I do think that there's very well you may have people that you connect with simultaneously, like you just click with those people. That could you you can click with somebody fairly easy and it's, it's not like hard but as far as like love at first sight mm, i don't know about that i have heard on the contrary men be like you know they met a woman and they looked at her and they knew that it's my wife so you know yeah. maybe it's a men thing maybe because i've experienced it how do you know it was love well that's the thing at the first time i must say i didn't but actually pursuing mm-hmm. it and then in hindsight you feel it's a chemistry thing more so than just saying love like you okay. could look at a person okay. not knowing who a person is, and you can feel the chemistry on the person, not even okay. knowing who a person is. So that's what I truly feel like what love at first sight, that whole yeah, phrase yeah, means. A, a very strong chemistry. undeniable chemistry. Correct. Okay. Um, 
And I think it comes in terms of like, you know, you stare or lock eyes with somebody like that's the thing. And it's a book that I read that said if you if you locked eyes with somebody, like you have to have a conversation with them because there's something that you're supposed to get from that person. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the hard thing in dating though. Because then it's not, you it, have it, to work on that. That's the thing. Because right, that's, us that's as humans, like we really like internalize right. a lot of stuff and we talk ourselves mm-hmm. out of certain things. That's a okay. missed opportunity. Do you believe in twin flames? Do you think that's a thing? twin flame yeah from i don't i don't know a whole whole lot about it essentially it's like a connection that people have that like it's that undeniable chemistry type of thing but it has aspects of it that's kind of toxic like a toxic relationship that you know you have somebody like y'all keep doubling back to each other it keeps not working out and i've experienced that as well i i could literally say you know all of this is literally my past relationship like we like our first exchange was literally like an eye lock and just like candid surface conversation and literally like it it started from nothing like i ain't think nothing of it like because that's just who i am anyway like i don't look at somebody and be like "Ooh, they attract never ever ever (laughs) (laughs) like sherelle swore i was a yes yes yeah when i thought we had these conversations i'm like what in the world like yeah yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I forgot you remember I even said that mess. I definitely did. I think when it comes to the twin flames thing, I do think it was a traumatized embedded with that mm-hmm. because right. he dealt with the same experience that I did when it came to feeling like you out here in the world alone. You feel like you had like negligent parents, and that isn't necessarily the most healthiest thing to exactly. hold on to somebody just because mm-hmm. of those commonalities. And so that that essentially is the crux of the whole twin flame thing. It's like this is an intense love affair, but you guys are are drawn to each other, and you like I said, you may repeat this relationship with back, maybe whatever. And so Indeed. that's the thing that I've seen a lot of people. Is love the most important thing in a relationship? As a grown up now, no. Mm-hmm. As a grown up now, you know, I always say, you know, love is not enough. You know, when you look at statistics on why people get divorced, people begin divorced for like financial reasons. Love is important. Love is nice. It's definitely a component of relationship, but I don't, I don't think it's the most important. I think respect would, would probably be like higher. If you respect me, then you're going to at least honor take you. care of my feelings. You know what I'm saying? You're going to honor my heart. You're going to care for my heart. Love, you know, there's plenty of stuff that we love that we don't honor. I love we God. We are careful you with love God. <laughs> <laughs> and you yet people saying? out here tossing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say respect is, is more important. Mm, I would say timing, again, is more important as it pertains yeah. to relationships. I, I, I will be a very good stickler in regards to timing just because I've experienced it myself where you can have somebody that you are strongly compatible and those energies are the same. Everything is like reflected. But when it comes to where a person is in their life and if they feel like you don't fit into that. So how does one work past timing being an issue? It's, it's either a missed opportunity for them or it's a missed opportunity for you. You just kind of have to move on about life. And you find somebody on that same time and it's you. That's what I feel like. Because a person can be on the complete wrong time and then the once the, that light bulb hit and they realize what they miss when they had it. It's shit like that happens all the time. Yeah. That, that's life in a nutshell. You got to get what you got to get for what makes you happy. You can't be sitting here holding on to something and chasing after something mm-hmm. that don't suit you. I agree.
I mean, people get married in Mobile every day. For somebody to match the same energy that Sherelle gives, the, for somebody to match the same mentality that Sherelle, for somebody to match the same experience that Sherelle gives, I really strongly just don't think that it's in Mobile. I don't think that is there. I feel like just the quality of men there, men already and black men, I, I say this all the time, we are disenfranchised in such a way where in a socioeconomic standpoint, we are the most intimidating. So we're not going to get as many opportunities as black women or any other woman of color. And in Mobile, I'm sorry. They in some shipyard. They at some plant. You knocking on their door line. There's no corporate <laughs> opportunities in Mobile, like, unless you're a politician. I, I, and then even then, it's like they be sleeping in somebody's house. I don't know. Well, we're going to get off of that. Do you think you could be happy if you were single for the rest of your life? working with myself on being that that's something that I've wanted for so long I would be lying to myself to say that like I feel like I could be like a thousand percent happy without that like when I I envision this thing called life I do envision it in partnership with family and create my own family and and all of that stuff so now I don't think um I would be like completely happy in that do I think I could find a middle ground of contentness? Yeah, I, I could find, I don't make myself be content because life goes on and you have to work and you have to do different things that take your attention. However, not. Nah, I don't think that would make me like happy. Yeah, I think the same. I think I would be comfortable happy in single. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just like anybody else, I think once you get to a certain age, like I don't think nobody wants to die alone. Or nobody wants to be old and alone. Like, that's very scary. Mm -hmm. Would you ever marry for convenience? I don't even date for convenience. Because at the end of the day, you always, you you short yourself. Like, the thing that you're you're settling on or bending on, it don't ever pay out in in the long run. And that's that's live and learn type experiences. You know, I think that's stuff that you got to know yourself and know what you really want and what you, mm -mm. ultimately, if I'm, you know, entertaining some I'm gonna wanna build on that. And that's the part that is like you you do that and you try to build on it and then you realize this ain't this ain't even nothing. Yeah. I agree. I don't see the worth in it. Like if I'm fine with everything that I have right now, like why do I need somebody to provide something for me? No, I'm I'm good with what I have. What do you think of big grand gestures? (laughs) What do I think of them? A defense mechanism I've built up is I never allow myself to fully experience like my hopefulness or my want for something. So to avoid being disappointed, I just like, oh, whatever. So say you stay out of town and you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to drive down for your show. I'm going to go ahead and tell myself to my mind, like, oh, you're not going to come. You're not going to do whatever. That way, when it don't happen, now I don't have to pick myself up from the disappointment. Because if I allow myself to get really excited and it don't happen, like, that's a horrible, like, that really gets me down. And so, do I like grand gestures? Yes. If a person is capable of doing the follow-through of a grand gesture. And unfortunately, with people's time, you know, attention span these days, somebody could be feeling that on a Monday. And by Thursday, they'll be like, no. People don't have to do anything. So, I'm always, like, through the moon with anything that somebody decides to do. They think, oh, you think I'm going to like this? And you attempted to do something that you think I'm going to like? Yeah, I'm for it. Now, I ain't going to act outwardly like anything. Yeah. 
I am so calm when it comes to these things. And I think I caused a disappointment based on my response. I think when people do grand gestures, they look for a certain response out of it. And I will never give that. That's just, it's just not going to be realistic and natural to who I am. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I always spare people like, don't surprise me. I'm not good with surprises because whether if I'm angry, shocked, happy, it's still gonna be a very reserved and calm alarm. Like you're never gonna get alarm well, out of pocket. You to get out of that reserved nature. Like you can't think of anything that would. Be I used. surprised myself at how calm I am. I I don't know Ooh. how to change that. I don't know what trauma Adam went through to make me like this. I wish I wasn't like this, where I could actually naturally respond to things. My first defense mechanism always is to remain calm and. I don't particularly like that about myself. Um, okay. But I don't know but what you know to what do. I like that there's something that you're aware of and it's not like, you know, you aren't cognizant of that. It's just a thing that, you know, what are the tools and steps that it takes to kind of like really dissect that? It's kind of probably what you said, where it's like you just go about life not expecting much from people. So when you do get mm-hmm. it, you feel appreciation internally. But I think externally, people just don't get the reaction that they want to get. Last one. What is your biggest dream today? I know I had to exhale too, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like me and Sherelle are just like, we are synchronized souls. Because we really, like, (laughs) we hold our dreams close to our heart. We don't tell nobody shit. Like, that's just who me and Sherelle are. I know, I know. I would have to say, honestly, the 10% that I keep talking about. My dream really is to be a wife and mother. All that other stuff, I could get that like whenever. I can get on Broadway. I can go make me a song. I can go do whatever. I ain't got no doubt in that. Dreams are things that you look at and you feel like they're obtainable, but the reach is just like so far on them. And so... That thing for me, like love, has always been pretty tough for me. So I would say, like, my dream would be like to be like happy, you know, happy in love, happy in relationships, happy um, in motherhood, and just you know, family. I think fam, creating my own family is like my ideal, like sweet spot to just be like, you did it, girl. Like, yeah, I think my biggest dream is, you know, I would make a certain amount of money. I would have a certain title, you know, dealing with music. Like, I feel like, you know, I itch, I eat shit, breathe, talk, and sing everything dealing with music. I feel like there are certain people that I keep close to me where, you know, they feed that energy in me. Um, and it's not that many people um, that I have that I could have these conversations with. Of course, you are one. Um but it's it's hard to speak on, you know, a dream and being the person that I am when it's like you really hold this shit close because you feel like in some way people will use that dream against you. I guess for me it's like, and knowing that those are our dreams, then what is the next step? Like, how do you go into making those things happen? I think that's the part or the journey that I feel like that I'm on and that you're on when it comes to our dreams. It's like, 
we always feel like in some ways and some components to the dream, we're out of control. How do I get a job in this industry? How do I walk in certain places and get in front of these people and they understand and see something in me? Because that's literally the industry. The industry is really being at the right place at the right time. Right. And people just looking at you, seeing it. Like when we do these auditions and different things, everybody that auditions on Broadway, everybody can build. Everybody's talented. Everybody can do. But it's just a matter of you being unique for you at the right time that makes a difference. Especially with like the music that people putting out right now. Like, get out of here. Yeah, and that's the only thing is it's like I majority of it is so uninspiring. And mm-hmm. I know I have an impact. I know I have an ear that would be beneficial to this industry. Mm-hmm. But it's just a matter of like when is it gonna happen? Well, this was beautiful, as I knew it would be. Um please follow us on a whole mood podcast at Instagram. Also follow my girl at XOXO underscore Rello. Yes, and I appreciate your time, Sherelle. Yeah, I I love this. I love us chatting, catching up. I hope Mm -hmm. everybody is able to like feel our synergy through this podcast Mm -hmm. and kind of feel the love and the the growth. I think they got a really authentic conversation from like two adults that are like just trying to figure this thing out. Yeah, hopefully they see us like six months later and be like, damn, y'all, y'all had that talk and now y'all like taking over. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, I mean, our girl Sherelle, she's a teacher as well, just like Ativa. So if there's anybody that have any leads Mm -hmm. on making sure Sherelle gets her job in D.C. or the New York area, you know, I'm always down for (laughs) it. Look, I welcome it. I welcome it. I am, I'm open, y'all. Alon is very serious. And that is the area that, like, I told him, because I can see myself in that whole DMV area. Like, I can see me. He said, okay, say list. I do love teaching, and it has given me the opportunity to be a mom, since I'm a mom to, like, 120 students every semester. And so, you know, if I could do it in a place that I can then, you know, link up with somebody, that's even greater. And then me and yeah. Alon can check on this path of who's going to name their baby Gabby first. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, all right. So I'm Alon. It's the Whole Mood Podcast. And we out this bitch. Peace. Say It Loud Podcast Network, where black and brown voices truly matter. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.